Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 29-51, called A Great Cry in Egypt. Why does it take the threat of our own mortality for us to do the right thing? But God knows how we are. And so the people took their dough. They had been told, no leaven, sweep out the leaven. Before it was leavened, with their kneading bowls bound up or wrapped in their clothes. This is how they carried it on their shoulders. The uh, unleavened bread was the original fast food. They had to get out of Egypt quickly. That was a joke. You guys should... I know it was relatively weak, but it was still a joke. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have their request, and thus they plundered the Egyptians. So get this. They packed up their dough. They wrapped it. Remember, I, I took you through the feast of the Passover and talked to you about the Afi Komen. Remember that? That's the linen bag that they put the matzah in, and they hide the centerpiece of the matzah till the end of the Passover meal. Get this. They wrapped the dough in linen. I wonder if this is some of the origins of the Afi Komen bag in the Passover meal. I don't know. But they wrapped it up. They wrapped up their dough. This would be a problem for me because I would have been, you know, pounding out a pizza dough. And, oh, well, we got to go. Come on, man. But anyway, do you know for the Israelites, they had lived in this land for 430 years. How old is America? 250, 60 years? They had been in Egypt longer than we've been a nation. This is all they knew. It had to be a bit unnerving to pack a bag and be told you're just going out and you're going to discover this promised land and well, where are we going? And Moses might say, I don't know. And Aaron might say, he's not good at asking for directions. You know, he's a typical man. Just pack your bag. How many of you are last minute packers? Anybody a last minute packer? You wait, you know, to the very end, throw a few things in the duffel bag. Somebody close to you says, you don't even have your toothbrush. Your response, I'll borrow yours. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, it will not be fine. Right? And so they, they've got the unleavened uh, dough leaving in haste. And they went door to door, get this, around Egypt and asked for money and clothing. Could you imagine? And the Lord gave them favor. Imagine knocking on your Egyptian neighbor's door. Hi. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, I'm from Israel. I live in Goshen. Hey, uh, wow, that's, that's a pretty dress that you've got back there. Could I have that? Could you imagine doing that? And I'm a little short on money. Do you mind giving me some gold and some of your silver? Are you good with that? Oh, sure. <laughs> Take it. How many of you have so much stuff in your house that you can totally resonate. How many of you, when that guy drives by with that truck that has way too much on it, and he's the metal picker-upper, you say, oh, stop here. You could spend the next week taking stuff out of my yard, right? Well, the Egyptians were giving them clothing and money. And there were two possibilities of what the Israelites could do with the money and the clothing. 
One, this is what helped build the tabernacle later on in the book of Exodus, chapter 25. And remember, the tabernacle was a tent, but it had all the different furnishings. Option B, what you did with the money, was you helped Aaron build a golden calf. And it seems to me, brethren, that the same options are available today. We get money. Here we are as Americans. We're more than blessed. Most of us are in a pretty good financial position. And we can either take our money and build God's kingdom. I'm talking about the excess. I'm not talking about, you know, you got bills to pay and all of that. Or we can make our golden calves. Hmm. I wonder which way that's tipping for most of us. And all God's people said, ouch, I feel you. I'm preaching to myself as well. But this is what happened with the people. And they plundered the Egyptians. The Lord gave them favor. Look at the end of verse 36. They plundered the Egyptians. That is a military idea of when you won a war, you would plunder your enemy. You would take booty, whatever you wanted, you would take. And it's as if Israel has just won a war against Egypt, but they didn't fight. Who fought? God. See, brethren, the battle doesn't belong ultimately to me. It belongs to the Lord. And I'm going to be a co-heir with Christ one day, inheriting his kingdom, not because I won the battle, but because the battle is the Lord's. Amen? And I'm going to be a co-heir with Christ and receive everything that he has for me because I am the bride of Christ. I am an adopted son. Amen? You're an adopted son or daughter. And so Israel fulfills the word to Abraham many years before. God said to Abraham, Know for certain, Genesis 15, 13, and 14, that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. And I I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. And I showed you that scene in the book of Numbers Whereas Israel was coming out with their unleavened dough and their silver and gold and rejoicing, the Egyptians were digging graves for all their firstborn. Quite a contrast. And so now the sons of Israel start the Exodus. 37, we'll move quickly. They journeyed from Ramses, uh, might have been some sort of military city, to Sukkot. Sukkot means a tabernacle. It's, there's actually a feast of Sukkot. It's the last feast in Leviticus 23 of the seven that are celebrated by Israel. So Sukkot means a shelter. So they departed from Egypt. The first stop was, was Ramses uh, and then to Sukkot about a day's journey. Notice how many people left uh, Egypt. They had entered with 70 people. They left with 600,000 men on foot aside from children and women, and a mixed multitude, either by either foreigners or maybe by intermarriage. NIV says many other people also went up with them, along with the flocks and herds, a very large number of livestock. If the number 600,000 is accurate, that was just the men. So that would mean that plus women and children, we have at least a million maybe over 2 million people or around 2 million people who leave Egypt in the Exodus. Can you imagine being Moses? (laughs) You got to lead 2 million people to the promised land? 
That's a job. Can you imagine Moses just turning around and looking at this mass of humanity and thinking, all we got is some crackers. <laughs> what are we got? How are we going to feed these people? They're going to have to learn to rely upon God. And out into the desert they go from Ramses to Sukkot. And there's even foreigners who have believed on the Lord, it would appear, and joined the people. Maybe other people groups who had been in slavery in Egypt were there as well. And out they go. And there's some scholars that struggle with this 600,000 number. They're like, I think the Hebrew language allows for it to be more like 25,000 people. That's still a big number, right? But do you know why most scholars struggle with the big number? Because they're naturalists. Uh, there's already been a ton of miracles going on. God can take care of a couple million people in the desert. Amen? 25,000, a couple million. Read the book of Numbers and you'll see a repetition that it actually was 600,000 foot soldiers. And there's that many people out there. And it's a lot of people to take care of. And a lot of people who could complain. And let me ask you, how did they do in the desert? Well, if you're a VeggieTales fan, you know the song. We didn't have a lot of fun in the desert. <laughs> it went very poorly. In fact, there were only two men who essentially honored the Lord that whole time and believed that they could take the land despite the giants and all of that. You know who they were? Who they were? Joshua, whose name is really the Hebrew form of Jesus. He was the right-hand man of Moses and Caleb. Only two men. And you know why Israel didn't inherit the promised land? Their kids did, but the first generation didn't. One word. You know what it was? It was unbelief. They simply wouldn't believe God. And sometimes I read my Bible and I'm like, I can't believe the people of Israel. How, they, how could they wallow, wallow in unbelief after being saved by the blood of the Lamb and experiencing all these miracles of God? And then I look at my own heart. I've been walking with the Lord for three decades plus. And sometimes I look at my own heart and I struggle with all the same things that we all struggle with. And sometimes like the dad in Mark chapter 9, I say, oh Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Forgive me of my sin and prayerlessness and whatever else you can make your list. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me. We all struggle. But I want, I want to dig out a name for you. you. You know Caleb, his name literally means dog. That's Caleb's name. And in the Hebrew picture language, dog is defined as all heart. Does that not define a dog or what? Yes. Dogs are all heart. Cats are definitely in question. Okay. I had to go there. But anyway, their salvation is definitely in question. But okay, so get this. So there, there are dogs. There, there's actual stories of dogs whose owners die and the dog will sit on the owner's grave and not move. Dogs are faithful. They are all heart. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in other books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station? The same if you're listening on podcast. You can always just click that share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they will do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Dogs are faithful. They are all heart. Now, get, now hear me out. Listen, that's what Caleb was. Do you know why Caleb finished well? You know why he inherited the promises? Because he wouldn't leave his master's side. He was faithful. And my cry to God is, oh Lord, make me a Caleb. Make me a Joshua. If indeed there were two million people that left uh, Egypt, and let's just take the 600,000 foot soldiers, which were just the men, that tells us that of 600,000 people, only two believed the Lord fully, fully followed the Lord. That's how the Bible describes them. And I'll tell you what, it causes me to have to cry out, oh God, help me to be found faithful. It's so easy to go the other way. Now, it came about at the end of the 430 years to the very day, maybe the very anniversary of the day that they entered Egypt, that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. So all, you could say, God's army left, even though God had fought the battle. And now some final Passover instructions. This is why Passover is a night to be observed, 42 It was a night of watching by the Lord, ESV. It was a night that the Lord kept vigil, NIV. The shepherd was watching over his flock by night, if you will. And that night, the Lord did a mighty work. He was standing guard. He watched over the houses of his people, and he judged the oppressor. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron 43, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is to eat it. Why? Because if a person doesn't know the Lord and is not in covenant with the Lord, when we do communion here at this church, I will often say, if you're a Christian, communion's for you. If you're not a Christian, become one. <laughs> but when the unleavened bread or the cracker and the juice come by, it's a, it's a memorial to the Lord. That means you're in covenant with him. I remember some years ago, I had a friend, I had invited him to church, and he definitely was not walking with the Lord. And the communion elements came by. And I watched fear strike him. He kind of had a reverence for what was going on. And he let it pass because he was not a Christian. And I think that this is essentially what's being said. The ordinance of the Passover is for people in covenant. Every man's slave, and slavery was a real thing in the ancient world, purchased with money. After you have circumcised him, then he may eat of it. A sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat it, Let's say that you're working on a project for a couple of weeks and you got hired on, but you're not in covenant with the Lord. You don't eat the Passover. It's only for those who are in covenant with the Lord. And if you want to eat it, there's only one simple requirement. It's a small procedure for the males. <laughs> oh, you want some lamb? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you about the covenant God of Israel. And then there'll be a small procedure in the back room. <laughs> 
Would that test how serious you are about whether or not you truly want to be in covenant with the Lord? This is not just say a prayer and you can eat. This is, uh, <laughs> we're going to see if you're serious about following. Now, it is to be eaten in a single house. That is, it's not to be eaten outside. You shall not bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break a bone, uh, break any bone of it. We'll come back to that. But they were behind the door on the Passover night. And so it's to be eaten behind the door. You don't bring it outside. You don't go outside. It's a family meal. All the congregation are to celebrate this. It's one night of celebration is the Passover, Nisan 14. We've studied that. If a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near and celebrate it. And he shall be like a native of the land. This anticipates the promised land. But no uncircumcised person may eat of it because, of course, it's a celebration of salvation. The same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns among you. Then the sons of Israel did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And it came about on that same day, final verse, that the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their host. That must have been an incredible moment. Sometimes the biggest moments of our lives, we don't quite realize always what's happening. But they went out. Now, I'm going to take you to John 19, and we're done. Ask the worship team to come on up behind me. So did you notice how it says you shall not break a bone of it? John chapter 19. So Jesus, as God's lamb, has entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, presenting himself as the lamb that was to be selected. He spent the week there being investigated, and he proved himself to be the unblemished lamb. He answered every question flawlessly. He swept the leaven out of his father's house, and then Friday was approaching. Passover was approaching, Thursday or Friday. And Jesus was getting ready to die. How many of you have been watching The Chosen? Raise up your hand. Okay, it's really well done. They do take some liberties with some of the dialogue, but the essential gospel stories are there. In season two, I'm about to ruin it for some of you. Okay, it's just a small portion, and you have to forgive me. Okay, so Jesus is approaching uh, the temple, and he's about to go heal the man at the pool of Bethesda, at the pool of Bethesda. And as he's entering the temple area, he looks, and there are, I think, about four men dying on crosses. You guys remember this scene? And he looks at the people dying on the crosses and no words are needed because you know what he's thinking. That's where I'm going to end up. And the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, the ultimate lamb, was placed on the cross, John 19. And the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, verse 31, John 19, so that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for it was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might take them away. They didn't want to leave the, per- the criminals on the crosses or at least the so-called criminals. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other man who was crucified with him. Both of these men had interacted with Jesus. One of them had come to faith. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear And immediately there came out blood and water. And he who has seen has borne witness, and his witness is true, says John, and he knows that he's telling the truth so that you may believe. 
For these things came to pass that the scripture might be fulfilled. Notice, not a bone of him shall be broken. That's Psalm 3420 and Exodus 1246. The only way you could get a breath if you were on a cross is they would put a little platform under your feet and you pushed up to expand your lungs to get a breath. And when they broke your legs, you couldn't push yourself up anymore. So you would suffocate and die. And they broke the legs of the first man and of the other. And they had come to Jesus expecting to do the same. And he was already gone. See, God was in control. And Jesus was going to fulfill the Passover imagery that not a bone would be broken. And just to assure it, a Roman soldier took a spear and shoved it into his side. And he bled blood and water. I have the chance to do many weddings and it's always a joy to stand up here and do a wedding. And I often go back to the garden when from Adam's side came Eve, his wife. She was taken from his side. And God did a surgery and he closed up the flesh at that place. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And the last Adam, now fast forward all the way to the gospel. The church, his bride, comes from his wounded side. See, God, through the blood of the Lamb, brings us into, in, into covenant. And that's how we are washed and made clean and whole. You've been listening to A Great Cry in Egypt, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 29 through 51. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in other books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? Same if you're listening on podcast please click that share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they'll be a blessing for someone else you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, this story may be familiar to many of us, but in Egypt on the night of the Passover, there wasn't one house where someone wasn't dead. And we watch the Pharaoh once again make it about himself. Bless me, you know, as you leave. Leave a blessing. But sadly, because of the Pharaoh's hardness, Egypt was devastated. Egypt is a type or a picture of the world. And one day, I believe there's going to be a second Passover. The Lord will pass over in judgment. And it will all be about whether or not you know the Lamb of God or to use the imagery of the Passover, have his blood applied to your life, to your household. If you don't, there will be a great cry in Egypt, Egypt being a type of the world. The book of Revelation says the tribes of the earth will mourn as they see him coming. Every eye will see him. Revelation chapter 1. And so my question to you, here we are, you know, we're at the beginning of a new year. And the question for this new year is, what are you living for? And on that day, should Jesus appear in our lifetime? Or if you breathe your last and stand before him, where 
where would you stand on that day? Would you be rejoicing? Would you hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will there be a great cry on that day? Almost like in Luke 16, when the rich man ends up in judgment and he's crying out for his household to send someone to warn them of this place of judgment. That might sound harsh to you, but it is the reality of Scripture that God loves us so much he sent his son, but if we reject his son, we have no, nothing to cover us from the wrath of God. But if you have trusted his son, rejoice, because your sin has been dealt with, the ransom has been paid in full, and you're free. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We are going through the book of Exodus. We happen to be in chapter 12, looking at the events of the Passover and the great cry in Egypt as judgment came to the firstborn in Egypt. And as I think about the year ahead of us, I think about the fact that we have a chance to share the light and the hope of this everlasting gospel, the God who saves us, the God who saves us from judgment, the God who saves us from wrath the God who stepped in to time and bore our ransom at the cross. This is a wonderful focus, sharing the light of the gospel in 2023. It's hard to imagine. It's 2023, but that's the privilege that we have. Hey, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can always reach out at walkintruth.com, and we'll see you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 13 called You Belong to Me. I'm Mike Massaro. Happy New Year, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.